Thank you for tuning in to TGIFJ, Thank God I Follow Jesus, with your host, Mike, and C. Joanne Martinez, pastor of Soaring Diamonds. Um, we want to encourage you, we want to inspire you, and we want to challenge you to deepen your walk with Christ and anchor your faith in the rock and in the hope of our salvation. We've been speaking about obedience for the past several weeks. And now today's topic is, when are we able to live according to our feelings? So I think that's going to be pretty interesting. Also, I give shout out to my family. They're all upstairs. They're trying to be as quiet as they can while they watch the Eagles play the Rams. And it's a, it's a pretty close game. So we're going to give a little bit of grace to them. If you hear them in the background, now you already know what's going on. Marilyn said, thank God the technical difficulties are fixed. Amen. I'm glad you guys are there. Um, I appreciate your support. I just pray that the Lord will have his way. Amen. So like he said, we're talking about when can I walk according to my feelings? When can I walk according to my feelings? And it's an interesting subject because we always think that, you know, that's okay because, you know, we all have feelings and that's a given. Right. And they're important and they were given to us. But according to the word of God, we need to see how we're supposed to walk, basically. Um, and of course, as always, I like to go through definitions. But today I'm going to do it a little bit different. I think I'm going to read two different scriptures, one from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. And what's so exciting about this one is that the word that we're using, although one is in the Hebrew, one is in the Greek, two different words because it's two different languages. But the definitions are the same. This word stands. Right. Proverbs 18.2. Opinions are for fools. I know the word is hard, but, you know, like I told my kids growing up, serving the Lord, this is not for punks. So if you're a punk, I get why you don't want to come over on this side. <laughs> I mean, I know it's a little bit harsh, but that's why, you know, we have the word and the word of God, you know, smooths out our edges and helps us to grow and mature because nobody stays a baby forever. Right. We all have to grow. I mean, the word of God says it's clear that in the things of the spirit, we are to become men and of course women. But that means that we need we need to mature. Yeah, we need to grow up. Mm -hmm. For sure, for sure. The first scripture that I want to share is First John three eighteen through twenty, and specifically um, a little portion there in verse twenty. But I'm gonna go ahead and read that one, and then Michael, if you don't mind, you can read Jeremiah seventeen nine, and then we'll go back to the top and go from there. I just okay. would like to share um, the definition. So First John three eighteen through twenty. You already know, I like to read the NLT and the Amplify. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings and he knows everything. And of course, I have to read the Amplified. Little children. So I love to read the Amplified because it says little children, but then it says believers, dear ones, in parentheses. Let us not love merely in theory, with word or with tongue, giving lip service to compassion, but in action and in truth, in practice and in sincerity, 
because practical acts of love are more than words. Like I've always told you guys since you were little, love is an action word. By this, we will know without any doubt that we are of the truth and will assure our hearts and quiet our conscience before him whenever our hearts convict us in guilt. But God is greater than our heart or our feelings, and he knows all things. Nothing is hidden from him. We are in his hands. Amen. Uh, Jeremiah 17, 9. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and is desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. That scripture would have been perfect for what we were talking about earlier. Um, and the amplified version to Jeremiah 17, 9, if you want to follow along. The heart is deceitful above all things and is extremely sick. Who can understand it fully and know its secret motives? I, the Lord, search and examine the mind. I test the heart to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. You know what? I love that. Yeah. If, if we said nothing else, right. a lot was already said. Just with Jeremiah 17 and 9. Yeah. My sister and I were talking and she's like, it's Jer- Jeremiah 17, 9. I had to go ahead and look it up. And it was, it was perfect because, again, as we're going to see, when you look at the word um, feelings or heart in 1 John 3, 18 through 20, as well as when you look at Jeremiah 17, 9, when it says that the heart uh-huh. is desperately wicked, it's the same definition. Although in the Greek, the word is cardia, mm-hmm. cardia, like cardiac heart. Yeah. Um, and it's figuratively the thought or the feeling, the mind, right? When you look a little bit closer, it says that, you know, it's an organ, as we know, yep. right? Our heart. But it also um, refers to the center of all physical and spiritual life. Wow. The center, um, the vigor and the sense um, of the physical life, the vigor, the sense, um, the soul or mind. Um, and I like it that it says that it is the seat of intelligence. It's the will and the character. And, and if you look at the root, it says it's the seat of our emotions. Mm. So what do we do in a seat? We, we you know, we chill. We, we rest relax, in it. We rest. So our heart is the seat of our emotions. It, it encompasses our affections, our appetites. Um, the seat of our sensibilities, what makes sense or not to us, in yeah. other words, um, what affects us, what stirs us up toward good or toward bad. So a lot of times when we look so at, so what can stir us up toward yeah, good or bad? Yes, wow. exactly. Um, it also refers to understanding, and it's just so powerful. Like a lot of times when we read the word, we just take it at at Face value, face value. And we don't really look any deeper than that. It also says that the heart is the soul or the mind. The heart is the soul or the mind. And it says that it's the fountain and the seat of the thoughts, the passions, the desires, 
the affections, the purposes, and the endeavors. And why is this so important? Because the word is clear that we're not supposed to move according to our hearts or according to our feelings. But as we look at the scriptures, we're going to look at that a little more deeply because we have to come to the place where we understand why. Because like I think I was telling you earlier that it's the seed of the emotion, right? Yeah. But out of it flow the issues. So out of what's happening in our hearts, in our emotion, in the seat of our emotions, that's what you're going to see manifested in our flesh. Yeah. That's what's going to happen in our life. Exactly. So, you know, a lot of times we, we're, just, we're just considering what's happening in our flesh. And, you know, like we say a lot of times, but I live in the flesh. And that's the, that's the thing right there. Yeah, you already tricked. Exactly. Because where does the word say? Live according to your flesh exactly. or live according to your limits or live according to what this world or what your body is telling you. It's living according to the spirit of God. So, yeah, I, th- I think you're right on right on point with the idea that you have living according to one way. And they're bo- they're both controlled. You're, you live according to the Spirit of God or to your emotions. So the, the seat of your heart is where both of those, th- that one thing is stored. And so one is going to overtake the other. That's what it's revealing here. It's saying you have a place where these emotions, these thoughts, where your life flows from. There's a place in, in you, in your mind, in your body. There's a place where your life is going to flow from. So now the question is, what do you store there? And what is the repercussions of living from of one over the other? Or you could even say, who is seated there? Right. Who is seated in your heart? Who is seated in your soul? Because that's what that's what the definition is of heart, the seat of your emotion. And we understand that either. One or the other is going to rule. Yeah. And, and they you know, both can rule simultaneously. Yeah. And my sister and I were talking about it earlier. Yeah. Def- definitively, it's, it's a challenge. Because, you know, we are, like the word of God says, our hearts are desperately wicked. Look at Adam and Eve. And that's what I was going to go to. Go ahead. Because we, we have emotions. We have a place where our feelings sit. And we're, since our life is flowing from here, we have to understand or we should understand that when Adam and Eve fell, they corrupted, sin entered, death entered and corrupted everything. Everything was corrupted. So yes, we may have emotions, but we have to live according to the emotions, the emotions that we have that Jesus wants to now reveal to us. Romans 5, 12 through 19 says, therefore, just as one man, sin, just as through one man, sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all sin for unto the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is when there is no law. So this is a lot of times people get wrapped up that they they have emotions like I cannot control my emotions. 
but the Bible is actually telling you the opposite. That through the Spirit of God, you have the ability to harness and control and submit your emotions to God. Therefore, even in your emotions, you represent and fulfill the life God is calling you to. It's not like he's saying, live for me here, but this we can't really work with. We're just going to have to work around. That's not what God does with our emotions. He's actually saying, let me put that in check. That way, our whole, your entire life can flow out of me. You said that I thought of another scripture that we were talking about earlier when people say, um, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. But people say resist, but they forget the submit part. The submission. Everything needs to be submitted to God. Right. Um, Even more so, our emotions, our heart, our soul, our appetites, our affections, our desires, our our passions. Um, these are the specific things that need to be submitted to God. Yes. That need to be brought to the feet of Jesus. Why? Because out of there is what where everything flows. And I just heard the questions: How do you do that? Because a lot of times that's where the challenge is. How do we do that? Why is it that we're not having success? You know, I accepted Jesus. I believe in Jesus. Why is it that I'm still having this struggle? Because you're not submitted. How do you know? Are you spending time in prayer? Are you spending time in the word? We spend a lot of time doing A, B, or C. Are we spending equivalent amount of time with the Lord? Yeah. In the things of the Lord, uh, renewing our mind. Because our mind is part of our feeling. Yes. You know, our thoughts. What's in our mind is going to cause us to respond either positively or negatively. And the word of God tells us that we are not to conform to this world, but we're supposed to renew our mind. And when we say that we can't do it, what we're doing is conforming to the world. Yeah. Because it's the world that teaches us that we have emotions, we have feelings. So, you know, I can't control this. And, and it's true. Yeah. So that's the reality. Yeah, it is. Without Jesus, you, you can't, I can't, and no one can. That's because it's corrupted. Right. So it's not, we're, we can't make, it's already crooked. And we're trying to make it straight to, we're trying to make our feelings submit to the, to the word of God or submit. We're trying to submit to the word of God and live according to our feelings at the same time. And that's impossible because, because one is crooked and one is straight. And the Lord is saying, your emotions are corrupt. Just as, just as, um, anything else, sin has entered and has corrupted how you feel, how you perceive what you think, um, what you want to submit, what you desire to submit to. Everything has become corrupted. And now since it has become corrupted. I have to redeem those things. So, so who can trust the heart? Nobody, because it's desperately wicked. And because it's desperately wicked, we have to make sure that our feelings and and a feel feelings is a more um, digestible word. When you say the heart, it's kind of like it, it kind of brings it to a deeper, more spiritual level. But when we say our feelings, you can picture those a little bit easier. Yeah, you you know what I'm saying? So. If we have our feelings submitted to the word of God, that way he can transform them and that we can feel according to what he's feeling, it would trans it would completely change the way we live our lives and and even more so what we expect for God to fulfill in our lives. 
you know, um, part of the definition that really gets me, it's when it says that the heart or the feelings um, is the seat of the intelligence. So whatever we know that we've learned according to our intelligence, according to our mind, even according to um, what we've um, received some facts from that we think are facts, now we're living off of that. So a lot of times we'll even have an argument about, you know, with somebody else about our heart or our feelings, our emotions, our passions, our desires, however you want to, you know, look at it. And we're looking at it from the perspective of intelligence. But the things of the spirit can really, cannot, not really, they cannot be perceived with our intelligence. Right. Because our intelligence, again, is, is swayed by our feelings. I know this to be factual. Right. Yeah. So now I'm going to operate according to, to that this fact right. that I know. Which, it's like faith. And a lot of times when kids go to college or people get challenged in their faith, people are going to try to challenge you intellectually. Oh, you're a Christian, but that doesn't make sense because of this or because of that. Well, the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. And he's going to confound the wise of this world, which what you think is what which you think is foolish. So he's going to use the lesser people of this, of what you call lesser, to confound you because you think you're so wise. But in, in fact, you're foolish because you think is because whatever you're living, whatever your intelligence is telling you. You've been tricked. You've been duped. We walk by faith and not by, and sight. Not by sight. And why do I bring up that scripture? Because intellectually. That makes no sense. But that's what faith is. To believe something that does not appear to be possible, yet it's possible because with God, all things are possible. And that's almost like a, I don't even know, it's almost like an oxymoron. This is not true, but yet it's true. Mm -hmm. Like, how could they both be at the same time? Because you don't gauge the things of the spirit with your intelligence. Because again, like you said, the wisdom of this world is foolishness. To God. Right. Um, it's it's like this person is ill, like let's say when I was pregnant, there was something wrong with my baby. And intelli- intellectually, scientifically, visually, those things you had to do. Yeah, like like I saw right. what the problem was with my baby. Like there was no thinking about it. There's no perhaps or maybe. Like there was a fact to that in the natural realm. But then I had to move out of my intellect, out of my feelings, out of what I was perceiving to be bad. And what you was taught to perceive. Exactly. Um, out of uh, my sensibility, out of my desire or my, my affections, I had to say, okay, what is it that he's saying? Right. Although it doesn't make any sense. But again, if we trust God, if we're going to be born again, if we're going to accept our Lord, if we're going to believe his word, we're going to have to step out of our intelligence, out of our sensibilities, out of our, you know, smart, our own will and character. Because why? Because the word of God in the natural sense, it makes no sense. Right. So I had to believe in spite. Of, a lot of times. Yeah. A yeah. lot of times in spite of in spite of what I saw. Visually in the natural, okay, what does God say? Right. 
I needed to move out of my emotion what I perceived to be bad and say, no, this is where faith is going to act, is going to work. And I, I chose to believe what God's word said. And he said that he's a healer and everything that he does, he does it perfectly. And the work that he begun, he's going to complete it. And that's what I stood by. And then we saw the manifestation of that. Yeah. And the reason why I'm bringing this example is because it wasn't sensible. Right. It really wasn't. What was sensible in that moment was to believe what I factually saw. That would have been operating out of my heart, out of my feelings, out of the seat of my my emotions. But then God wants to bring you to a new place to operate from. And that's why we're new creations. And so we can't live according to our feelings because sometimes our feelings have been taught incorrectly. Even if it aligns with all the facts of this natural world, everything is perfectly aligning, just as what the x-ray or what the baby monitor was telling you. Everything was aligning with, this is not good, this is going to be bad. Absolutely. Now, God has stepped in and said, that may be true there, but what's true here is that I'm going to supersede that truth. And so a lot of times we have to, uh, since our emotions have been taught to move a certain way, to feel a certain way, to perceive a certain way, our emotions have to be retaught within the kingdom of heaven. That's why we have to take the word of God and allow it to transform us so that we may know what's better, what's, what's from his kingdom and not adhere to the, to the lies of what the enemy may be trying to instill in our hearts. So a lot of times, like I, I keep going back to the example that people's faith are always shaken with people who come and say, listen, are you sure God is real? That doesn't make sense because this, 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 and this. You can't prove God to be real. So that can't make sense. Assuming that you know every fact. Assuming that you know everything. And that's why I said yesterday, I have concluded in the simple fact that I believe Jesus died and rose again. Anything that does not make sense to my natural mind, it does not make sense to my brain. I cannot comprehend. I can't wrap my head around it. I've concluded that there's something I'm missing, that there's a puzzle piece that I have not put there or that the Lord has not put there. That way I can't, so I can't see the picture. But I'm not going to conclude that God's not real because I can't understand something that's happening. I'm going to conclude that Jesus is the Father. Jesus is God. He is fully God. He fully came and he fully restored us. He fully sprinkled our hearts, cleansed and purified our hearts. He, he has done that. So I'm right with him. And now since I believe this, it gives me the confidence and the reassurance that no matter what somebody brings to me, I'm going to choose to live according to what he has already said and what he's already revealed and what he has already promised. And, and what we're, we're not saying is, oh, you can't be smart and be a Christian. That's not what we're saying at all. Like, you can't use your brain and be a Christian. No, I'm saying your brain has not seen everything, has not comprehended everything. I'm sure at every level and whatever you do and whatever pro- profession you are in, you are able to go to somebody who will reveal something else to you that will change the way you see something. 
uh, if I'm a scientist in high school, when I go to college, they're going to give me new information. And when I become, a, when I go to um, get my master's, I'm going to learn more stuff. And then when I begin to intern, I'm going to learn more stuff, which will continue to adjust the way I see and the way I feel and the way I perceive. And it's the same thing in the spirit of God. He even says, listen, I can't even tell you. There's so much more I have to tell you, but I can't. Basically, because you're not ready. There's no ear, no eye has seen. And no ear. Has heard what the Lord has prepared for those that love him. Yes. So if we think that we know everything, we've already been fooled. Because no eye has seen, no ear heard. Whatever you see, if you already got that perception, there's so much greater than that. Because you haven't seen it and you haven't heard it. You have no clue. And that's why when people make plans too far ahead, it, it, it reveals how much they know the Lord. Because if you think you already have all the answers, I'm here to tell you that is not God. Right. Because no eye has seen and no ear has heard what the Lord has prepared for those that love him. Right. So if you got the plan from here to kingdom come, that I'm going to tell you, wonderful. I'll applaud you, but it's not him. Because that's what the word of God says. And we got to get out of our emotions. We got to get out of our own intellect. But what is it? We bring the world's view into the church. Right. And what do I mean by that? We have deep-rooted belief systems that have been deposited in us, in us from our grandparents, our parents, because of things that have happened to them, because they're being challenged in their own identity, um, a lot of times there's no transparency because they feel, still feel inadequate, so on and so forth. Now I'm teaching or they're teaching their child, oh no, it's this, that, and the third. You have to do this so that you can be blah, 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 blah. Right. That's a deception. And that's where? That's in, in our emotions. Yep. That's in our heart. That's in our feelings. That's in our intellect and in our sensibilities. That's in our affection and our emotions and our desires and our appetites and our passions. That's where all that foolishness stems from. Yep. Because the word is clear. Imagine you're making your own plan when your Lord that created you in eternity knows your end from your beginning. Instead of you discovering what he has for you, you're developing your own plan. Right. That is just so foolish. It is. It shows that we're short-sighted. It shows that we're prideful. We're arrogant. That's what it, it, it reveals to us, our actual own hearts. But great, thankfully, through what God has done, we don't have to live according to our own hearts. And I love, I love what um, you, we read in Jeremiah. The heart is deceitful above all things. The heart is deceitful above everything. Above everything, your heart is going to trick you. Your emotions trick you. So they have to be restored. In other words, your heart and your emotions have been perverted, have been corrupted by the enemy's lies. Whether you heard something or whether it was passed down from generation to generation, there is something within your heart that lies to you, that tells you something outside of the word of God. And that's why we come to the word of God, that he may restore it that he may restore his thoughts, his ideas, his feelings, his emotions. When Jesus came, he felt, but he was feeling according to what God is feeling. He, he says he, he, he weeped for them. They were like sheep with no shepherd. He, he was not just sad, like, oh, bendito, they're so sad. No, he's like, they are like sheep with no shepherd. 
And what does that mean? What does that mean? A sheep that's going along with nobody to guide them, what's going to happen? They're going to get eaten up by, by a wolf. They're going to get caught up out there. And when they get caught up out there, they're going to get devoured. And so he was like, no, no, no. He had compassion on them. Why? Because they were like sheep with no shepherd. So he stepped in to shepherd them, to be their good shepherd, to be our good shepherd. So the heart is deceitful above all things and is extremely sick, extremely sick. Who can understand it fully and know its secret motives? And you know what this is making me think of? A lot of times, if our heart, if our heart has been taught to live and to feel and to respond in a certain way, who can understand it fully but the person who has taught what those feelings should, how those feelings should react? In other words, your emotions. You, we may adopt them as our own, but they were somebody else's first. So they were never ours to begin with. They either come from the Lord, the kingdom of light, or they come from Satan, the kingdom of darkness. They come from one or the other. And, and either one, they make their way through others. Like if my parents were believers through that, they're beginning to deposit in me. Right. If they weren't believers through that, they're depositing in me. And it goes back and back and back because we know that, you know, because of transgression and iniquity, we find ourselves in the way that we find ourselves in. So it's important that we understand that just the same way that God has a plan for our, our lives, the enemy <coughs> wants to pervert the plan for our lives. Right. And no, I can hear it. You know, they talk about the enemy. They talk about Satan. Well, the word of God tells us he's like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The word of God is clear that he comes to rob, to, to kill, kill, and, and to, to destroy. 100%. That's why what he's would, here for. Why would Jesus tell us? Why would um, Peter tell us? Why would the word of God tell us? Listen, from Genesis all the way through, he is our accuser. Yep. So. Come on, come on, get with the program. It's important if we're going to have success that we are open to the word of God. I'm not telling you to be open to what I think because opinions are for fools. Don't take my opinion, but let's go to the word of God and see what the word of God right. says. Because I say all the time, what I tell you all the time, don't talk to people what you think. Be, talk to them what the word says. Because right. if they come against you, they really come in against the word, right. the word of the Lord. And that's what it is at the same time. Look, it says, but the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. Am I saying, and this is something I want to sidebar, although we're going to probably attack it a little bit more. The Lord can also have a seat, be the one that's seated in our emotions. That, that's, and that's my point. That's what I was saying. Our emotions come from somewhere. Yes. They're, they're, when Adam and Eve was created, God instilled in them how to feel, how to respond, how to see, how to perceive. God, God did all that. When he created Adam, he didn't create Adam as a baby and then brought him up. He just created him as a man. And he's already instilled in Adam his work ethic, what he should do, how he should plant, how he should. Like he's already instilled all of those things. And then when the serpent came and spoke with them, the serpent came and instilled something else. So they, they adapted to what the enemy was saying, and then they adopted it by, by eating the fruit and sinning. They adopted the enemy's emotions, 
and took on that and now passes that on from generation to generation. And so when we're stuck with emotions that do not reveal the glory and the goodness of God, those are adoptions from the enemy's camp. And those, those have to be destroyed and it has to be transformed according to God's word. And so the point is, as human beings, we're called always to worship. As human beings, that's what we're called to do. We're called to worship. We're called to worship God. And if we don't put God there, we're going to put somebody else there or something else there. Like the Bible reveals that over and over and over again. And now, now that we're called to worship, he's saying, you're going to see life a specific way. You're going to do life a specific way. And it's going to be according to whatever you worship. So now if I'm worshiping something outside of the word of God, that means it's going to twist and continue to pervert those things that the enemy already instilled. But, but the goodness of Jesus is that he has sprinkled his blood on our hearts and purified our hearts. So even when our hearts get confused by what the word is saying and what the enemy is saying, he's saying, my love is greater than your feelings. My word is greater than your feelings. My promises are greater. So even when your heart condemns you, because I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, Jesus is saying, he's saying, I came to the world to, to save it through me. And so when you step into me, even if your heart begins to lie to you, I have already sprinkled your blood. All you have to do is remain attached to what I'm saying. Because if you remain attached to what I'm saying, you will not allow, you will not get tricked by what the enemy is saying through what he's already corrupted, which I have transformed, but you're still learning this new process of holiness. You're still learning this new process that you have been made right. You forgot you were made right once somebody called you and condemned you, and then you adopted that word just as Adam and Eve did. But that word doesn't belong to you. That word belongs to the enemy. And since it belongs to him, I've, I've already cleansed you. I've already made you whole. And since I have made you whole, do not adopt that. Why? Because my word and my promises are greater than even what you're feeling at the moment. That's first um, John 3, um, 20. Um, even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings and he knows everything. And it's an important point to make because a lot of times we think that we have to be subject to what we're feeling. And you but don't. It's clear, you no, do not. That God is greater than our feelings and he knows everything. You know how sometimes we say, well, God knows how I feel. Right. Oh, God knows my heart. He does. And he knows he, he actually knows more than your heart. Yeah. It's, and what does he know? That is desperately wicked. And let me just say that um, I never gave the, the Hebrew for heart. From Jeremiah 17, 9, the word is lave. Like in um in the heat in the Greek, it was cardia, but in the Hebrew is lave. And if you look at it, look at both those words, the definitions are literally exactly the same. All right. So I didn't feel a need to have to go back. Um, but as as we you know continue to discuss this, it's also important to look at Matthew 5 8. I thought that this really blessed me. It says, God blesses those whose hearts are pure. Hearts, right there, is the same word, cardia. Mm -hmm. The same word that talks about the the feelings and and the seed of our emotions. It says, 
God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Amen. Which it's clear that our feelings, our hearts can be renewed, restored to be like Jesus. And it's important also to, to understand, and I want to say this, um, our feelings, we opened up with this, but I would like us to, you know, look at it a little bit deeper. Our hearts, our feelings, our emotions, it's out of that that flow the issues of life. Yep. Um, the words that we speak, they come from our hearts. Mm -hmm. And that's what defiles us. Why? Because the passion, the, the emotion, the affection, the appetite, um, the intelligence, what's stirring us to do good or bad, that's what's going to cause us to either be obedient to the Lord or be a slave to sin. Yeah. And that's the reason why yeah. that's what defiles us. Because what's happening in our hearts is what's going to cause us to act that out in the natural. Yeah. So if we're already struggling in our hearts, it's just the next step. So when you see an action, you know that's what's already in the heart. Right. And it's really important to understand that. It doesn't just pop out of nowhere. Right. When somebody says, oh, that was an accident, it wasn't an accident. It's been brewing. It's, been, it's been stored. Yeah, it's been stirring. Yep. And, and that's what one of the definitions is, is um, the soul so far as it is affected and stirred in a bad or a good way. So that thing is already stirring in our hearts, in our emotions, in our feelings before that thing gives birth to sin. Yep. So it's really important to understand that if I behave this way here, it didn't happen. Oh, it was an accident. You already have been contemplating, yeah. thinking about it, wondering, <laughs> imagining Then that thing came to life. And that's why Jesus says, if a man even looks at a woman with lust, he's already committed. He already him. committed sin. Yep. To me. Because, yeah, to me, because, because I'm sitting, I'm trying to sit on his heart and he's and perverting, he's perverting the very seat that I'm sitting on mm. with all of this other stuff that comes straight from the demonic realm. Like, that's crazy. And, and, but again, you're going, you're, you're telling, you're telling us about that it can be for good, whatever's being stirred up for good or for bad. That's right. So this shows you the importance of what Jesus has done. And it, um, it goes to, let's talk about, not talk about, let me read Hebrews 10, 22. It says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from guilty, from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Because I love, I love how Jesus does, he doesn't change his principle. He's not like, oh, you guys are so guilty. Now I got to do something new. He's like, no, I got to cleanse you now. I got you. I got you. Just don't, don't, don't go to, don't. Revert. And, and hold fast to something that doesn't re re reveal me. And what does, um, in Psalms 119.11, it says, I have stored your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And when it says store, what does it mean? It means to hide, to treasure, or to store up. 
You're hiding it. That's why it needs to be stirred. In your heart. It's mm-hmm. in your heart. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So all of our issues are flowing from our heart. And that's where our emotions and our feelings live. It within our hearts. It's it shows if it reveals if we're gonna get offended or not, if we're gonna get um, brokenhearted or not, if we're gonna be upset based on what somebody has done to us or somebody we know or love or whatever it may be. It it what is drawn out of that out of that well is already what's in there, and the beauty of the Lord is saying, "I'm gonna go deep inside that well." And I'm going to clean it up. And I'm going to now expect rivers of living water to be drawn from that instead of all of the other upsets of life. And because our emotions lie to us so much, when you have those thoughts, when you have those lies surface, all you have to say is, is this of God? Does this reveal the heart of our father? Does this reveal the life, a life submitted to the spirit of God? And if it doesn't, if, if I'm trying to put an excuse for it, then it's necessary that I repent and turn to him. Because if it's surfacing and you catch it, he's revealing to you, listen, this is not of me. That emotion that you're having, it didn't come from me. That's what the Lord is saying. That emotion that you're having, it didn't come from me. And if it didn't come from me, repent from it because it's stored in your heart and see what I have to say now about it. I'm telling you, the word is so good. The, the word is so clear. Um, there's, if you have any question, the word of God itself is gonna, it's answer. going to reveal itself to you. And, you know, I just want to make sure that it's clear and that we understand that we can, we can choose to allow God to be the one that's seeding on the seed of our emotions. In in essence, when we come to Christ, that is rightfully his seat now. It is. That's, that's his that, seat. Yeah, that, that's him. That's and, all him. Yeah. So, and a lot of times, again, and I just want to reiterate, reiterate this, we wonder and we, we struggle and we, how I tried, I tried, I tried, but it's, on the, it's important to understand that it's not about what we're doing. It's about what we're letting him do. Do through us. Yeah. But how, what you mean? What does that mean? We have to get along with him. We got to get into his word. And I know we say this all the time, but it's clear that it's the word of God that's going to renew yeah. our hearts, our minds, our passions, our desires. And the more, and, and this is what I was saying to somebody earlier today, you know, they were, they were like, oh, but we're human. We're human and, you know, this happens in our flesh. 100% true. But the thing is that what are we feeding? And that's where the challenge is. If I'm going to take two hours to watch a movie, will I be willing to take two hours to be in the presence of the Lord, to be in his word, to listen, to pray, to talk, to communicate? And that's what happens a lot of times. We're not changed. Because we don't give him the time yeah. to change us. So you wonder why it is that I'm not changing. Why is it that I'm still struggling with the things that I've always struggled with? Why is it that I'm still feeling the way I've always felt? 
Why is it that I'm still questioning what I've always questioned? And I dare to say that what is what are the seeds that are still on your seat? Yep. Because you're going to produce out of the seeds that are sitting on your seat. And, and those seeds, they don't come from the kingdom of heaven. It robs you of the life God has called you to. Um, the word of God says that like, like every fruit, I mean, every tree produces after its kind. Yes. And a lot of times we're trying to put Jesus on to sit him on a seat that's already filled with other things. But we got to like basically slide all that stuff off and be like, here, Lord, you sit there. And let him work out in us the things that don't belong there. And let him put new things there. Give him the space. Give him the opportunity. But what happens <clears throat> that we choose, and like I said earlier, you know, we have to, we have to be committed. We do. And I, I know, I'm going to tell you right off the rip, this stuff is not popular. Yeah. Because when you say... You have to check yourself. You have to allow the Lord to, to clean you, to renew you. What in essence is being said is you got to die to yourself. It's yeah. not about you no it's more. It's something you got to give up. It's not about your feelings. So what if you don't like it? So what if they hurt you? So what if they offended you? So what if they didn't apologize? So what if they didn't put you first? And what does life look like outside of that thing that the Lord is telling you to give up? You've probably lived your whole life with it. So do you even know? No, you don't know. But he's faithful and he's committed to complete everything that he has begun. So all we have to do is give him the, the space, the opportunity to, to reveal the things that have been concealed since the beginning. A lot of things have been concealed. And it's for those who will really just seek him out and come to know him. But uh, many times it's like the, I, I keep hearing the Lord saying like, I call, I'm calling you into my presence. I'm calling you. I'm, I'm beckoning you. I'm bringing you into my presence, but you're ignoring. So if we ignore his calling, we will never, we will never receive and live the life he has called us to. And again, it, it's, it's robbery. It's, it's broad daylight robbery to not to, to, to say I'm a Christian but not live according to the word of God. It's complete robbery. And to live according to your emotions that have been perverted by the enemy is not living according to the word of God. It's going to produce death. It's going to produce sin. But living according to the spirit, it produces life and godliness and holiness. And it produces a righteous living. It allows us to be justified before him because we are in him. Because we are in him, not because of what he has done. And going, even going back to Jeremiah, that I, it just popped into my head. He's going to pay us according to the results of our deeds. And, and, and let, me, let me take that a little bit further. A lot of times we have this concept that God is just waiting to get us because we do something. But the reality of it is that just like we know that every seed produces after its kind, right? Yes. It's the same thing here. What we're stirring and harboring and accepting and receiving and, and feeding in our heart, out of that that we are feeding is the fruit that's going to come or the action that's going to yep. come. 
So, and this is what's coming to mind, and I'm going to say it, because this is a challenge a lot of people have. A lot of people today, because of social media, the access, pornography is so rampant. rampant. With, even within right? the church. And I think it was Isaiah Saldivar, I heard him say, he, he was teaching about, you know, how people are challenging the struggles that, that people have. And he said, um, the problem is that when a person is entertaining perversion, now the person begins to feed yeah. in their mind, in the seed of their emotions, yeah. that perversion. And it produces, it gives birth to more perversion. Right. So when a person is struggling with a mindset that's not like Christ, it's because they're already stirring up something that they gave life to. It continues to lurk and even further into and your heart. It just keeps growing. Compounding. Just like a tree. You put some seeds in the ground. After a while, you're going to see fruit popping out of everywhere. Yeah. And it's the same thing. And he was talking about specifically, this is real sidebar, but a lot of men that are heterosexual oh. and are struggling with, with these thoughts that are not heterosexual thoughts. Why? Right, cause because you can't pick the you can't pick what the enemy begins to instill after you open the door. Why? Exactly, because it's perversion. Right. So the minute it's perversion, that perversion is gonna give per birth to more perversion. Right, and even greater, and even more than what you can handle because you're not made for that. Exactly. So whatever you're feeding that is not of God, that that's gonna produce more fruit, and that's what it's gonna give birth to. So if you are here entertaining this and then you end up here why it's not the enemy right because the minute that you know that you're entertaining something that's not of god let that go am i saying and and i think that we're probably gonna wrap it up here am i saying that this is easy of course not but the cool thing is and this is what encourages me that i'm not left to myself right 100 i have a helper and that's the beauty of jeremiah we have that's the a, Holy that's the, Spirit. That's the beauty of what he's saying. Exactly. That I'm going to repay you for your deeds. Mm, 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 but if our life is in him, then he's going to repay us for the deeds of Jesus. Jesus didn't slip into pornography. Jesus didn't slip into adultery. Jesus didn't slip into uh, fornication or alcoholism or um, bad mouthing or profanity. He didn't slip into any of those things. So even if we did, God has sprinkled our hearts with the blood because the life is in the blood and in the blood of Jesus is how the new covenant is established. And since he established that covenant, now he sprinkles and cleanses our heart. He does it. He, he does it. Just as, just, as he, just as the priest sprinkled the blood onto the altar, cleansed it. We are the living sacrifice. Now we are. We give our hearts as a living sacrifice and our lives as a living sacrifice. And he says, listen, I'm going to do it for you. Just please give me the room. Let me do it for you. Let me do it through you. Let me do it in you. A lot of times we like to live on the, the front end, which is, oh, he's good in the front, which is why a lot of even pastors are falling into pornography because on the front end, they're good. While there's a back door open with the enemy just in and out, in and out, building up new altars, which is next week we're going to be talking about transparency. 
So in the forefront, you good. And and the what everybody sees, you're perfect. But on the back end, what's happening? But if the Lord sprinkled our heart and purified us, and even when we feel guilty, the Lord says, my word is greater. When he does that, it gives us the ability to live a pure life before him. Before him, not before people. That's right. Before people, we can pretend because it's going to be based on, we can pretend as far as people have discernment. And we know people's discernment is just all over the place these days. But the Lord, he says, wait, wait what did he say in Jeremiah? I'm going to judge the hearts. Where is it? Let me, let me bring it up. I, the Lord. The, I, the Lord, search and examine the mind and test the heart. That's what he's doing. So it doesn't matter what anybody else sees. Our life is before the Lord. It's not before our family. It's not before our friends. It's not before the people at the football field. It's not before the people at the store. It's not before the people we preach to. Our life is before the Lord. That's who our life is before. And this is why a transparent life as a believer is no problem. Because we know the Lord already exposed everything to us. So there's no need for us to hide. Why? Because he has, again sprinkled our hearts. And even when you feel guilty, he says, no, no, no. Don't listen to that lie. That's a lie. That's a voice. That's not yours. Do not adopt, do not adopt that thought because it does, not lie, it does not reveal me. Instead, cast it down because it is trying to exalt itself above me. So cast it down and let me do it in you and through you. Sorry. Remember that God is greater then my feelings, your feelings, our feelings. And he already knows everything. So it behooves us. Since he already knows, just bring it to him. You already know I'm struggling with this. Help me out here. Yeah. And he's faithful. And the work that he has begun, he's going to complete it. 100%. Because he's faithful. 100%. Stop trying to work things out on your own. Because we can't do it on our own. That's what we did without Jesus. Mm -hmm. We come to him so that we can work th things out through his spirit. Yes. Him doing it through us, us making ourselves available to him. We opened up with the question, when can we walk according to our feelings? And the answer is what? Never. 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 We don't need to walk according to our feelings. Unless we have the spirit of God and we've committed everything to him. And, and who knows the heart of man and who knows the spirit of a man, but the spirit of a man and who knows the heart of God, but the spirit of God. And he puts his heart, he puts his spirit within us that we may search his desires and his wants. We get, we get to search those. And what does Matthew 5, 8 says? God blesses those whose hearts are pure for they will see God. So God blesses those whose hearts are put. What does that mean? Our hearts have all this guilty and this shameful things going on in it, but that is not the result of the kingdom of heaven. That's a lie from the enemy. And we do not live, have to live according to those lies because he says, God blesses those whose hearts are pure. Not that they didn't do anything wrong, but that he has purified their hearts. So our hearts can be purified to the place where we can see God. And, and that's, and the, the thing is, is just let him do it in you. It may be a process. It may be a year. It may be a day. And listen, the Lord does it and he is faithful. And 
The thing is, he wants to get to know you. He wants wants you to get to know him. He wants your heart to be clean and purified. He desires you to see him because Moses seen him, right? And everybody's like, ooh, that's so amazing. But that glory was fading. And the glory now after is even greater because we have a new covenant and a new promise and we don't live under the law. We live under the covenant of grace and of mercy and not a grace that we can trample underfoot, but instead a grace that calls us to, to come to him and to bow to him. That's what this grace and this new mercy comes to do. It causes us to say, oh snap, God, you're judging my heart and this ain't right. Lord, do it within me. I'm surrendering that you may do it within me. Amen. Hallelujah. That was so good right there that I have nothing else to add. Well, I think the Matthew 5, 8 is perfect to end on because next week we're going to be talking about transparency, living a transparent life before the Lord and before man, allowing them to see into us. Are we talking about lay all your garbage on the ground for the world to know? Not unless the Lord is saying, tell them. But if, listen, if he ain't saying it, we want our hearts to be cleansed so we can be transparent before the Lord. Because as we've learned today, he's already judging our hearts. He's already repaying us for our deeds. So we might as well allow him to purify our hearts and repay us for the deeds of of his son who shed his blood on the cross. I'm really excited for next week. Authentic Christianity means transparency. Because we really can't walk this walk without transparency. Because until we let go of transparency, until we become transparent and let go of all those things, we're always going to be walking around with a facade. Amen. But yeah, that that's pretty much. I'm really excited for next week. So thank you for tuning in to TGIFJ. Thank God I follow Jesus. We we here. We encourage you. We inspire you, and we are going to challenge you to deepen your walk with Christ. Allow him to do it in you. We're going to say God is calling you. We're going to say he's beckoning you. Tomorrow morning, he's going to be saying, come to me. Tomorrow night, he's going to be saying, come to me. During the day, he's going to say, open up my word. He's going to be saying that to you. Why? Because you listened here, and I'm telling you that that's what he's going to be saying. So he's faithful, and he's going to remind you. Remember what they said yesterday? So all I'm saying is let him do it. Let him do it in you and and anchor your hope in him because he he is our redemption and in him we have life. So thank you for tuning in. Like, share, subscribe, and share it with somebody who you know can use a word who maybe somebody may be feeling guilty or or, uh, maybe brokenhearted or saying, oh man, I don't know if I can do that. Share this word with them that they may come to know the good news of Jesus Christ. So thank you. Peace.